I want to share with you in this series, Renew, things that are convictions to me. There are six convention, convictions or six things that have taken me 19 years to develop because the church is 19 years old. And these are, these are six things real quickly, and uh, we'll just go through them, that are just this real strong convictions, actually prayer and desire for me over you as a, as a church family. Number one, and that is to never quit pursuing God's purpose for your life. God, as we've said before, has a divine purpose for every single person. And David was so beautifully caught in uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 36, when they said of him, listen to this statement, for David, after he served his own generation, notice that phrase, let's read together. David, at, come on, one more time. David, after he served his what? His own generation by the will of God. Then he passed away. So he served God's purpose and plan when? In his own generation. And then he fell into this sleep and was buried and saw death. And that's what I want for you. I had a friend of mine yesterday. I te we've been texting since I've got a cell phone. And... Um, uh, I've been friends with him since the mid-1980s, and we, we have consistently, we talk every single day, we text one another. He's a dear friend of mine in Montgomery, Alabama, and uh, he actually is living in a house I used to own. And uh, he sent me a note yesterday. He said, listen, I just want you to know I was doing my will and all that, and uh, I want you to be doing my memorial service. And I said, well, I responded back. I said, listen, I need for you to live long and live strong. You know, my classic answer and he said, I'm serious. I want to live long, live strong too. He said, I I'm not looking for a hole in the ground, but a hole in the sky. But he said, if, if, if that time comes, I want you to do my service. And I said, of course I will. But my point is this, thinking about his legacy. I mean, what a legacy he has in my life. What a legacy he has there in Montgomery. And what a legacy he has. He's fulfilled God's purpose. And he's still young. I mean, he's just barely 70 years old. And so uh, he is a very young man. And uh, still, and life is full of a purpose with him still. But my point with all that is, he's like David. He's serving the will of God in his generation. He was one of the first people to encourage me to come to Texas. And he supported me in this transition. And I'm so thankful for him because he knew that I would find God's purpose coming to this state even though Alabama is prettier and <laughs> has much better weather. But he knew that God's purpose was here. And that's what I want for you, never to quit pursuing God's purpose. As a matter of fact, in a text before he sent me that text, he said, I am so proud of you because you are in the middle. He calls me David. He, he, he refers to me as little David. And he says, you're now big David and uh, a man after God's own heart. And, he's, and again, he was referring to the fact that you're in the purpose of God for your life. And so I want that for every person sincerely as a pastor. I want you to discover that whatever age, whatever situation, whatever pressure, there's a reason why you're here. And life can give you 100 years, and I want it to. But I want on your that it was said after you that you serve God in your own lifetime. You didn't exist, but you, you found a purpose and a reason for being here. You weren't marking time, but as Ronald Reagan says, you were making a difference with the time that you have. Number two, number two, believe for God's best for your family. Hebrews 13, four. 
Hebrews 13, 4. Notice this one phrase here. Phrase here it says, marriage is honorable among all. And that's where I want to zero in. Marriage is God's institution. I believe in marriage. I know a lot of people don't in our society right now. They sort of set it aside and say, hey, you can live together, this, that, and the other, and, you know, whatever. No, I believe in the institution of marriage. I believe a husband and wife together working all the problems out are stronger than, than two individuals being apart. I really do. You say, Pastor Brian, it's a lot of work <laughs> being in marriage. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a lot of work trying to get two people to act as one. But I believe in the institution. And notice that phrase, it says it's honorable. Everybody say honorable. Honorable. It's an honor to be married. It's an honor to fight for it. It's an honor to stand. It's an honor to put up with things. You know, Sheila's completely opposite from me. I mean, completely, not just physically, everything. I don't think we have any common ground, anything other than we believe that Jesus is Lord and the Bible is the Bible. <laughs> other than that, we completely see things differently. We completely respond differently. We completely act differently. But yet at the same time, I like the opposites of that. I mean, I've seen couples in the past, oh, I found the love of my life. He's so much like me. Before I can think a thought, he is thinking it. We eat the same things. We drive the same cars. We even dress with the same colors. Boring. <laughs> Boring, is it not? Okay, I do not want, I'm not married to another male. I'm married to a female, the opposite of me. Hello. Okay, seriously, I want the opposite. And some people are like, ah, no, 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 I like this person because they, they compliment me. No, I want them to challenge me. I want them to better me and vice versa. Because together, we're stronger because of those differences, not because of the things that, you know, people in the world. The people, the world's so messed up, is it not? I mean, come on, Hollywood has all the money, but it has the highest divorce rate, Right. If, if money was the answer, Hollywood would be happy, 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 would it? Would it? But it's not. Marriage is honorable because God chose the institution of marriage. And so I want to encourage every couple, listen to me, it's worthy of the prayer. It's worthy of the fight. It's worthy of the stand. It's worthy of the love. It's worthy of the give. And it's worthy of everything you're standing for. Number three, number three, live by faith in God's provision for health. Let's look at, look at Isaiah 53, four through five. Some people recently, ministers of the gospel have sort of cast this down and said, you know, I don't really believe in healing. I believe in the healing of the soul, but I don't believe in supernatural healing. Listen, I believe in it. I believe that it is God's will that not only did he save you, but Jesus bore the price for your sickness. And I know a lot of people have passed away believing that. I know it's a challenging issue. <clears throat> I had a dear man that I loved and respect, a minister friend of mine just passed away two weeks ago now of cancer and he fought the good fight to the last breath of his body. And sometimes I don't understand things. He was only 78 years old, but I do know that what it says right here, listen to Isaiah 53, four through five. It says, surely he has borne our griefs. And the Bible says the translation is, and it says literally sickness. He carried our sorrows, which is pains. Notice that. And it says right here, he was smitten by God and afflicted. Think about the price that Jesus paid. You say, well, Pastor Brian, that's for sin. Sin is horrible, but so is sickness and disease, is it not? I mean, sickness and disease is a horrible thing, especially cancer and other diseases that aggressively move through people's bodies in a horrific manner. But Jesus paid the price for that. And you can't look at Jesus' ministry as I've been studying it, and I have a book coming out here called The Healing, Min Healing Miracles of Jesus, The 26 Healing Miracles. 
coming out real soon, that you cannot help to look how passionate and compassionate he was towards healing people, especially what society deemed as impossible. And it says right here, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. How many of you know when you're not feeling well and people dealing with sick that your peace is taken away? It's terrible, is it not? Look what it says, that by his stripes we were healed. Those stripes in the Roman hall that were placed on our precious Jesus were not just for our, again, paying the price for our sin, but for the, the, the salvation of our bodies, the redemption of our bodies. And listen, it's God's will, as I'm going to talk about in the next couple of weeks in this new series, it's God's will for us to live long and to live strong. I cannot find in the Word of God where you're to, the older you get, the worse you get. I believe the older you get, the better you get. And uh, I know a lot of people in our society are, are actually living longer, but there's a lot of people that are not because of the stress and the worry and the anxiety. But I know that if we live by faith according to God's Word, and we learn how to deal with the stress and anxiety, because a lot of times sickness and disease is almost self-inflicted because we're in so much worry, we're in so much tension. And by the way, one of my chief sins that I have to deal with personally is the fact of learning how to rest. I am notorious for not doing that. I love to go. I love to do. I'm a man in action. I want to go here. I want to do there. I want to go there. I want to do that. I want to go, 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 go. And for me to stop and, 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 and rest per se, I mean, I, I do have a good night's sleep. But this other thing, I don't know how my Jewish people take Friday from sundown to Saturday is sundown. I couldn't do that. I mean, right now, I confess to you, that would be the hardest thing to do. I would be like a cat in a tin box or something. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, whatever that's called in the South. But I mean, that's a hard thing for me to do. But I'm learning how to do that. But I'm just telling you, I, I, I'm learning how to rest in other areas, mind and body and, and my sleep. But for it to take off an entire 24 hours, again, but that's God's plan. And I'm looking towards how to do that. I'm, I'm really structuring my life over the next two or three years on how I can learn how to take better quality vacations and, and rest periods. We have not done that as a family correctly. Sheila and I have not done that well at all. I mean, our idea of a vacation is to go to Alabama. I end up working on a farm down there, working for my mother, helping her, and doing this and doing that. And by the way, I love to go. I love to be in action. I love to be in energy. And I love to be focused, but at the same time, I know God's will in my life because Jesus proved it. He, he took a nap in the boat, you know, going from one place to the other. I'd been back there. Hey, Jesus, we need to talk about this. We need to do this. Check, my, check out what I could say on Facebook. Peter posted this on Facebook while we're at Whataburger, and he's out of line here, Jesus. What are we going to do about this? I would have woke him up while he was trying to sleep, okay? <laughs> you can't do that. you got to enter into that place of peace and rest. Number four, this is an important one. Receive God as your financial source. And that, to me, means everything, that your job is not your source. Your, your way to manage your money is not your source. He's your source. Now, you need to have a good job. You need to do what you're supposed to do is managing your own money. But as we look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, check this out. This is a promise. We usually read verse 19 where it says, my God shall meet all our needs. But let's back up before that and look what it says here, this promise. It says, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. This is the apostle Paul talking to this church, okay? Watch this, verse 15. Now, you Philippians know that 
in the, in the beginning of the gospel, which I departed from Macedonia, no church, everybody say no church, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only, isn't that sad? The apostle Paul who wrote 15 books of the Bible, nobody's wanting to partner with him. That's, that's pretty sad, is it not? But look what it says. Even at Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities or needs. Not that I seek a gift. Now this is interesting, but I, I seek that fruit or credit about to your account. So notice that word account back there. It says you and I have an account of our giving. Isn't that interesting? An account. That's what it says right there. It says that I may, that you that I seek the, the fruit that abounds to your account. I think that's a very interesting phrase there. In verse 18, indeed that I have all in abound, I am full, having received from Ephroditus the things which were sent, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to you. Notice the descriptions of what he's describing. And now connected here to all that I just read to you is the word and, which is a conjunction that takes us to the last or the previous verses. It says, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. Isn't that fascinating how that's all connected together? Why is that? It's because we as a church and, and, and the body of Christ should be supporting the things that are happening in the earth. That's what giving is all about. I so desire for us for a church, and, and we have done well, but I want us to do, I, I really have a goal that we, we give $100,000 a year in outreach and benevolence. There are so many great things to be a partner with and to reach out to and to give more. I mean, there's an outreach right now that's happening just this weekend, and I'm monitoring every bit of it there in Juarez, New Mexico. I mean, Juarez, Mexico, where this friend of mine I've told you about that has a um, an entire compound there of over 100, nearly 200 uh, young children. Well, they're not young children, up to 18 years old, that he is taking care of and helping them and supplying their needs. Uh, one ministry and one church donated, uh, I think it was 75 bicycles. And I want to be a part of getting their shoes. He's got this deal with a shoe company where he can supply all their shoes and multiple pairs of shoes for only $15 a child. I mean, it's, it's just amazing how God has blessed this right there in the middle of that area, which is just over the hill is El Paso. Again, we're not talking about in a foreign country. We're talking about right next door to our country and uh, helping an, an area that absolutely, I mean, it's, it's like a compound with guards around it to keep the bad guys out and the good guys in. But I'm telling you, they're making a difference and they're doing job training with these kids and seeing these kids go back into their local neighborhood, strong, supported by the Lord and saying no to the criminal activity that's trying to pull them down and pull them away. What a great outreach that is. And I want to help them. We are going to help them. We're going to, I, I pledge to get to $500 a month to start with it, to start with and to help them because they're doing a great job. Like I told you recently, I was touched by that movie, you know, The Sound of Freedom. And uh, I said, Lord, I don't want to go to another country. I want to do something right here. And sure enough, I found that right underneath my nose, as they say, right here, a friend of mine that I've known for years and doing that. And we're going to partner with him because you know what? That to me is how you make God in partner with your finances. You get involved with the kingdom of God's work, guess what he's going to do? He's going to get involved with your work. 
He's going to get involved in your life. That's the beauty of giving. That's the beauty of honoring him financially, in my opinion. And we've seen that as a church. I've seen that as a family. I've seen it now going on 29 years of marriage. And so thankful for that. Number, the next one is simply this. This is number five. Is having a, and this is important, having a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you what, so many people do not, they have a relationship with the Lord, but they sort of ignore this verse of scripture. What is, look what it says here in 1 John 4, 4 about the Holy Spirit. Let's read this together. You are of God. Come on, one more time. You are, well, here we go. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because what? Greater is he that is in you than he's in the world. Who's that? You say, well, that's Jesus. No, Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Who's inside of every believer? The Holy Spirit. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling on the inside of you. And I want you to have a relationship with him. I want you to hear his voice. I told somebody the other day, I, <laughs> they said, Pastor Brian, we missed coming to church. I said, you missed it last Sunday. The Holy Spirit came and we saw what he looked like. <laughs> <laughs> they said, what? I said that, you know, that didn't happen. But anyway, I just said, you missed it. We saw what the Holy Spirit will. Well, we don't really see the Holy Spirit, but let me tell you something. He is here. He is within you. He's not Casper, the friendly ghost. He is the spirit of the living God. And I want you to know he is greater than anything in this world. Anything in this world you can think of, he is greater, and he wants that relationship with you. This week, something very powerful happened to me. You know, I wrote a book many uh, years ago, Acts 29. Well, I've had two versions of the book, and now I'm working on the third version of the book and, and the capstone project that I'm doing for my master's degree at SUM uh, Seminary. And uh, so I'm, I'm reworking it, and I'll have it finished here within this, this, this year time frame and republished. But I got to study it and got to look. Let's look at Acts 29. Let's go to Acts 29. Check this out. Now, you said, no, Pastor Brian, there is no Acts 29. That's right. Let's go to Acts 28, Acts chapter 28, and I'm going to show you something about Acts 29. Now, this is fascinating. This just absolutely changed some things in me, and I want to show it. Which are These are all convictions in my life about you and I as believers. Now, watch this. This is Acts 28. This is at the end of Acts, the book of Acts. Now, as we read this, I want, I want to share with you. The Apostle Paul basically wrote, if you include the book of Hebrews, 14 epistles, okay? He ended, he ended every single book with amen, except for one book. Well, no, all his books were amen. And he wrote the book of Acts via Luke, or he's a part of it. Luke wrote the book of Acts via the Holy Spirit, and, and it's the life of Paul. But notice how it ends. Most, most, most books in the Bible end with amen. And look how the book of Acts ends. Then Paul dwelt two years in his own rented house, and he received all who came to him. Watch this now. Preaching the kingdom of God, teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ, and with all confidence, and no one forbading him. That's not the way you end a book, is it not? Not, not compared to all the other books. He had some kind of greeting. If you look at his books, he had, a, he had an introduction. He had a conclusion, okay? He left this, and, uh, and now it confirms to me something. This is way back at Hughley that the Lord put on my heart about Acts 29 is a continuation. The reason why it is left like that is for you and I in this generation to continue what the Apostle Paul was talking about. We're to preach the kingdom of God. We're to teach Everything concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, we're to live it, share it the best way we can. Keep on learning, keep on growing, keep on demonstrating with all confidence and knowing that no one can forbid us from doing it because if the Lord is for us, who could be against us, right? 
You say, Pastor Brian, I'm not perfect. Well, welcome to the club. It is not about you. It's about him. That's the beauty of this. And how are we supposed to be these representatives in the earth? Is it by our spirit? Is it by our name? No, it's by the power of the spirit of the living God. I mean, when you get in a connection with the Holy Spirit as your friend and as you're learning to listen to that voice, not only will it save your life at some times, but will guide, he will guide your life and show you how to get through the hardest of situations. If it weren't for the Holy Spirit, I don't know what I would do. I thank God for the ability to not only have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, but to pray in the Holy Spirit, to have my mind renewed to the fact of who he is inside of me, to learn to obtain his voice in an even greater way, even though this is the voice of God. But there's certain things in here about, you know, specific parts of my life that are nowhere in this Bible. Again, it had not say anything about coming to Fort Worth, Texas in this Bible and Plant Metroplex Family Church. 19 years ago, but it's in there in a certain way. And there's other things about your life and my life and other key areas that are example. And when you get to the fact that you know that you are God's representative in the earth, it changes who you are. You are a representative of the kingdom of God. You say, Pastor Brian, so is a lot of other believers. No, we are not the majority. We're the minority. <laughs> okay, I hate to say that. I wish, I wish Christianity was on the rise, but right now it's not. I have pastor friends of mine that are in situations right now where church attendance is not in a good situation compared to what years ago. Neither is church income. Neither is church participation. I mean, there's some churches that are growing, but some of those churches are growing not necessarily through salvation, but what they call transfer growth, people moving around. But there's plenty of lost people. There are plenty of unchurched people, and I want to reach them. You want to reach them. And I'm telling you what, it's not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God that we learn to reach them and share with them the truth of God's Word. People are not looking for money as the answer. If that was the case, eternally speaking, they would be happier. They're looking for something more than money. I have met wealthy people, and money wasn't the answer to them. Now, listen, money will make you feel good. It will give you things. It will do certain things for you. But will it give it will it give it peace in your life? No. Will it give you? Could it, does money give you a good marriage? Not necessarily. Does money give you an absolute health to your body? Not necessarily. It's good for a lot of things, but it's not the true answer. Jesus is the answer. And when you learn the fact that Jesus at the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit is in the earth, and you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, then that thing that's facing you that is trying to intimidate you and trying to destroy you, then you've got the power of God to face that thing and know that you can win if you'll trust him through this situation. That's what I want for you as a believer. I want you to fulfill a divine reason for you being here, a legacy, a divine absolute legacy for your life. When people see you, they see Jesus. I'll never forget, this just, just blessed my life that a couple years ago I went to my high school reunion, my 40th one, and I was just wondering, I never attended one of those. I was thinking, man, I want to represent the Lord. How is this going to go? Because I'm not going to back down off my Christianity bit. The last time some of these people saw me, I was not running with the Lord. I was running with the devil. And, uh, but God used me, and it just, for three hours, I kept at it, being friendly, connecting, talking, sharing. And then by the end of the night, I had people coming to me all the way to the point where I was out in the parking lot telling people about the Lord till we left at nearly midnight that night. And I had to be at church until the next morning in another church I was going to be at. 
Well, I'm telling you what, when people see a difference with you in your life, not because of you, but by the Lord, they will, they will be attracted to that. And they want not the perfectness of what's happening in you. They want the God that's inside of you. And I am so thankful for that. And I'm so thankful that some of those people have been watching me ever since that event and tuning in. And I've been getting notes from them saying, I still can't believe you're the same person I went to high school with. <laughs> I said, I'm not the same person you went to high school with. I'm a different man, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Because it's who is the power. Power of the Spirit of God. Finally, number six, number six, I want you to develop a faith in God that is beyond what you can see or feel. Let's go to Romans chapter four, verses 20 through 21 as we close. This is the story of Abraham when he was believing God for Isaac. And this is an anthem that I want so bad. This is a verse of scripture that is so important to me concerning your life every day. 19 years and moving forward, this is what I, I want to see of you described as your attributes as how you live. That you do not waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but you are strong in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 21. And being fully convinced that what God has promised you, over 6,000 promises, he is able to perform. That is my desire for you. That's my whole description of what I see you looking like, in my opinion. To be like Abraham, the father of faith. To believe God beyond what you can see and feel. I'm telling you what, sometimes when you're in a situation and when it's staring in you in the face and it is, it is speaking loud and your, your emotions are wanting you to see and seeing this thing and feeling a certain way, that's where you have to say, beyond. I'm going to trust God beyond what I can see or feel. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 11, 6 says, Simply this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he or she who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a what? Rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. If you'll diligently seek him with your life, he will reward you for doing that. If you'll put him first place in your life, I promise you this situation you're going through will turn and change. It has to because God is God. He is not in the business of failing. He's never forsaken a single person. Even my friend the other day who died of cancer, I tell you what, he got the victory. Because let me tell you something, as a believer, once you cross that line, and by the way, there is no sting in death for a believer. Isn't that awesome news? I've been around believers, unfortunately, unbelievers have died. And that's a horrible thing to watch a person who doesn't know the Lord pass away. Because that's forever. And there is a sting of death. I've only seen that once. But mercy, merciful God in heaven to police officers who are friends of mine who see that who have seen that. But to see a believer pass to the other side, I'm telling you what, you, what, your body, you think your body has had life when you were young. Wait till the moment you cross that line. I mean, the moment that person crosses that line and goes to the other side, they're picking it up and moving. They're renewed, they're 30 years old, and they're as strong, as healthy as they could ever be. You say, Pastor Brian, I want that now. Well, we can fight the good fight and have that now. I don't want to go to sick. I don't want to go to heaven sick. I want to go to heaven healed and healthy. And again, I've got family members that have died in their sleep in their latter part of their life and have woke up on the other side. Isn't that a great way to go? <laughs> I mean, that's what we want. But you got to believe God for that. You've got to trust God with your life. You've got to trust God with your family. You've got to fight the good fight of faith. But I promise you, as you renew your mind to these things and never let go that if God be for you, who can be against you? It is worthy of everything that you do as far as pushing yourself forward and being diligent to what he's called you to do. Again, quickly, as we close with this, I just want you to know God's purpose for your life should be prominent, a prominent thing with you. Don't ever give up on that. Number two, believe for your family. Stand. There is nobody 
nobody beyond the salvation of God. Number three, quickly, quickly, listen to this. Living by faith concerning your body, God's promised you to have health and not sickness and disease. Number four, simply this, that he is your source. Yes, you work for a job. Yes, you need to do your part, but he's your source. He's your favor. He can bring a promotion. He can do things beyond what you can do yourself. Number five, the Holy Spirit is your friend. He's not a power. He's a person. And number six, I want you to have faith in God just beyond yourself, a bulldog type faith. I'm beginning to like those bulldogs. Aren't they beautiful dogs with their tenacity and they all have their you know, tongues? Hey, Jonathan loves those dogs and I do too. The more I get around some of them, I like them. I saw one the other day. They are just hilarious to look at. But let me tell you something. When they're a puppy and then they're prime, they are not going to let go of anything. They are absolutely locked in and they are not quitters and neither you and I. 